I'm Simone and this is Woman and of Color, my limited series podcast that takes a sociological and anti-oppressive look at the relationship between women of color and feminism. to clarify that this is not a historical look at the relationship between women of color and feminism however you can explore any historical angles that you might find here secondly i'd like to clarify that we will be focusing on women of color however having a centered view on black women and lastly when i speak of women i'm speaking of all types of women Hey everybody, welcome back to Women and of Color. It's me, Simone, as always, and this is episode number two, and I'll be talking about mainstream feminism. So to break down all of this, because there's a lot we're going to have to talk about, mainstream feminism is a huge umbrella, and I'm going to try to break it down as best I can, and to do that, I've decided to break it down into five questions surrounding mainstream feminism question one what is feminism question two what is mainstream feminism question three what is the demographic of mainstream feminists question four what issues does mainstream feminism prioritize and question five is it effective for all women Alright, so this is what we're going to be focusing on today for this episode. Oh, and just to make it clear, the goal for this episode um, is simple. It's basically to determine the place and purpose of mainstream feminism for women and for women of color. And I suppose the bonus question for this episode would be, does racism exist in mainstream feminist practice? Okay, so enough of today's agenda. Let's actually start talking about mainstream feminism. Okay, so to answer the first question, what is feminism? I look no further than to ask my good friend Google. And so feminism, by Google's words, not mine, is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes. And also to know that includes socially, politically, and economically. And I will say, though Google has provided a astounding definition for what feminism is i thought it best to break down mainstream feminism by myself in determining what mainstream feminism is the first thing that needs to be established is what does it mean to go mainstream so to do this you have to have a set of beliefs ideas and attitudes that are accepted by most people So making it considered normal or conventional. In other words, it follows the dominant trend in opinion. The dominant trend in opinion. Feminism became mainstream predominantly by spreading, hence the whole waves and whatnot. But I can't help but question if the idea of all women and men being equal would have been able to become 
enough of a conventional opinion that a forceful movement would come of it. Simply based on the fact that white supremacy actually exists, I really don't think that the majority of people would be so gung-ho for, yeah, let's let all women be equal to all men. You get what I'm saying here? So now I have to ask the question. I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but it's necessary. I got to ask this question. What was the idea that got feminism to go mainstream? What was the idea that people were holding on to that created this dominant trend in opinion? And I believe that the other three of my focus questions can actually really help us understand and try to answer that question. So I feel like I kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit hole just there for the questions and whatnot, but let's try to answer question three, which is what is the demographic of mainstream feminists? Okay, so for those who don't know, demographic is, in other words, the characteristics of a population. So in essence, I'm asking, what do mainstream feminists mainly look like? What does the average mainstream feminist look like? Um, what And, you know, determining the average mainstream feminists, what are they predominantly look like? Subscribing to, moving, like, you know? So we can first start off by seeing this in, like, the women's suffrage movement. Kind of the first big step of feminism that a lot of people go to for number one and i'm gonna try to establish and i'm looking at establishing the demographic of a mainstream feminist by the rollout of getting the right to vote because this is kind of established the hidden hierarchy within this women's suffrage movement and in general feminism so first we have women with property they got the rights first and obviously you know when i'm going through this list there's going to be a bit of red tape because obviously giving suffrage to a minority group of any kind there's just covered in red tape but this is the list of who got rights first and i'm going to talk about the red tape a little later so First, we got women with property. Then we have white women. Black women a little bit later. Asian women. And then indigenous women. So I'm going to give you the dates on that. So white women in in the 1920s. And then black women as well in the 1920s. Early 1920s. Then we got Asian women in 1948. And then indigenous women in 1960. This is... Canadian so if you're not Canadian I believe that your dates will be varied a little bit I do believe however that the white women getting the vote is still in the early 20s for the U.S. however you know different things work around the world but that is what it looks like for Canada that is the order and that is the jump between white women in their and black women in the early 20s to indigenous women in this indigenous women in the 60s all right but Obviously, we have to acknowledge this red tape. So black women, along with other women of color, experienced voter suppression 
with tactics like, you know, poll taxing or literacy tests and a bunch of other red tape, which varies depending on the country that you're in, as well as like, I guess, state and province and whatnot. So this is a prime example because these women were fighting for their own rights. When I say these women, I'm talking about mainstream feminists. They're fighting for their own rights, not the rights of all women, because let's be real here, guys. We know that discrimination with like classism and racism does exist. They're embedded in our systems. So when women, since we're talking about women, are going to get the right to vote, there has, there's going to have to be a trickle of hierarchy of who gets it first, right? So it makes sense that white women would get it first because of racism. It would make sense that women with property would get their stuff first because of classism and so on and so forth. But this is what is getting me. If mainstream feminists were saying, yeah, we fight for all women, I really, really do believe that the gaps between who got rights when would have been smaller because they would have continued to fight for women who still didn't get the right to vote, right? So how come we got white women and then black women following suit in the 20s and then indigenous women in the 60s? Why such a big gap if y'all still were fighting for women's rights? How come my indigenous sisters and sisters have to wait all this time? So that's why I'm thinking, okay, the demographic of mainstream feminists have to be white. You look at, you know, the women's suffrage movement, going back there for a bit, it was spearheaded by white middle-class women. White middle-class women. And therefore, the definition or the understanding of womanhood and what that looks like and what women deserve was formulated by the experiences and understandings of white middle-class women. So it would make sense that Asian women and indigenous women have to wait eons in the back to get theirs because they weren't actually being advocated for at all. So that is my response and my conclusion for question one. The demographic is white and middle class and it remains like this to this day. And we have to consider that obviously going on into our next two questions. But before we do that, just relating it back to my first question, you know, what was the idea that I guess these mainstream feminists were selling to the mass crowd is looking very white. Like, I'm going to be real with y'all. It's looking very white because we have to consider, for example, racism, right? We have to consider that the bulk of people were subscribing to racist ideologies on a personal level. Like, personally, they was ra- they were racist. So if you are a white, if you're a white woman and you want the right to vote, you're going to advocate for yourself because like I, like I mentioned, the concept of womanhood was understood through the view of white people and then was reimagined from the view of white women. There was no woman of color during that time of establishing what women could and could not do because of racism. 
Therefore, the idea that like, feminists were selling when going mainstream had to be that of white because it was more likely that people were going to be like, yeah, women's suffrage, yeah, feminism, if it excluded women of color, if it excluded people of color in general. Okay, so moving on to question number four. What issues does mainstream feminism prioritize? So so let's make this clear. Feminism, mainstream or otherwise, has the goal of gender equality. Therefore, in any areas where gender inequality is present, feminism addresses, attacks, and dismantles that particular issue. I mean, there are so many women who are addressing and attacking issues of gender inequality that impact different groups of women with that being said the better question to ask is whose issues does mainstream feminism prioritize rather than what i'm going to expand on this question by specifically using mickey kendall's book hood feminism notes from a woman that a movement forgot So first off, I'd like to recommend this book to anyone who is looking to understand mainstream feminism in its totality, specifically to understand its shortcomings and how those shortcomings have left and are leaving women of color behind. Hence why I'm actually using this book to help understand and analyze this question of whose issues does mainstream feminism prioritize. Okay, so this is how I'm going to start this off. So the book, and obviously Kendall writing in this book, follows this theme that mainstream feminism subscribes to the notion that all women are in the same boat, that we are experiencing gender inequality the same way. Uh, Kendall writes, quote, a one-size-fits-all approach to feminism is damaging because it alienates the very people that it is supposed to serve without ever managing to support them. End quote. She's saying that mainstream feminism is doing this by not serving specific groups of women with what they truly need. And I'm going to make this strong point that mainstream feminism, or I'm going to come to this conclusion, that mainstream feminism is like this because it prioritizes the problems of white women because that's how it was originally designed with the white woman in mind. Now, I'm not going to go on and say that you know, white women and the issues that impact white women specifically shouldn't be addressed, but rather to solidify the point that though there are issues that impact all women, there are also issues that impact specific groups of women. Um, And because of this, we have to talk about intersectionality. However, we are not going to be doing that in this episode. We are going to be doing that in the intersectionality episode speaking on the intersectional feminism and so on and so forth but you know intersections like race socioeconomic class sexuality even location ethnicity education and so on these things contribute to the individual issues that certain groups of women experience because the term woman is an umbrella okay it's an umbrella and if we don't actually realize this and see it and see and treat it as such um then we create this hierarchy of issues and then we get this situation of almost a discriminatory triage as i would call it of what is a like real feminist issue 
Mickey Kendall wrote, quote, they need feminism to recognize to recognize that everything that affects women is a feminist issue. End quote. Okay, it's time for some real talk. Uh, what Mickey Kendall meant by they, when she wrote it in the quote that I just mentioned, is she was referring to all the women that aren't the face of feminism. Because if mainstream feminism truly was for all women, we wouldn't have to specify that all issues that impact women should be and are feminist issues. Like, I'm assuming that most middle-class white women and girls don't have to deal with massage noir, not being a priority case to cover by the news, being overly expelled or suspended being over sexualized to the point of adultification or food insecurity because of redlining or being murdered or going missing at alarming rates but the fact is all of these issues and those i didn't even mention are alarming issues but not enough alarm bells are going off because these are issues that predominantly and specifically impact women of color So for the last question, is mainstream feminism effective for all women? Well, no. It can be if some women are getting more support than others. That some women are being prioritized rather than others. If some women's problems are being classified as important, we need to address this now, feminist issues, and others aren't even being considered as feminist issues at all. It simply can't be effective for all women if these are the cases. Alright, so I'm not going to lie, that was a lot. That was quite a bit. But I really hope I didn't lose you. And before I end this episode, I do want to address the bonus question, which is, does racism exist in mainstream feminist practice? And with everything that we went through, I am going to say a confident yes. And I've done enough long talking for this episode, so I'm just going to leave it there. But honestly, you know, with all the questions that we, I went through and that I kind of dissected it and had to understand and answer, I really do think that this question has been answered through the responses of the other questions. You know, with speaking on what is mainstream feminism and specifically how did feminism go mainstream? And the simple conclusion to that was they would have to sell that we were focusing that they were focusing on white women um, through the formulation of what womanhood was, what a feminist issue is. You know, all those things were created and established by white by white women, excluding every other woman, <laughs> every other woman that does not fall under that category. And so that's what. That's what they were selling for it to go mainstream. And therefore, the demographic of mainstream feminists are predominantly white. They were when feminism started and they kind of are now. And because of that, they prioritize the issues of white women. Because originally, feminism and these movements were created with the white woman in mind. Specifically, the white middle class woman 
in mind. They didn't consider race. They didn't consider class. They didn't consider level of education or whether they, where somebody might live and how that could affect their lives. Because those weren't things that people considered then. And they aren't really things that people consider now. Even though I will say that we are starting to consider them. Because a system and in a movement such as feminism was established on ignorance and white supremacy, those things are woven into the concept of mainstream feminism. So it's a little bit harder to eliminate because that's just, it's in the roots, right? So I'm going to go ahead and say yes in confidence to that question. Does feminism engage in racism? I think yes. I believe yes. that's all thank you for listening and hopefully i've given you some things to consider next episode comes out next week and that is on black feminism so if that's something that you're interested in please keep your eyes out for that uh thanks again and i'll see you when i see you women of color social action project in relation to the radicals and small brown productions 2021 stay woke folks yay